Anybody been a fool this week? Foolproofing our life. You know, Proverbs is all about gaining and seeking and pursuing wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is not education. Wisdom is not your age. You know, they used to say, uh, you know, wisdom in those gray hairs. If that's the case, I'd be a lot, you know, some of you be a lot wiser than me. Um, I don't know what some of you do if you don't have any hair, right? It's like, well, where do they fit in? You know, there's not brown, blonde, or gray. They just don't have any hair. Maybe they're the most wise, right? It's not about your age. It's not about your education. It's not about your IQ. Wisdom is a skill, It's the ability to take your education, to take your knowledge, to take whatever God's given you in IQ-wise and be able to process principles of life, truths of life, to be able to take God's Word and be able to apply it to life in a skillful manner to make decisions that go well. The truth is, a lot of the things we get ourselves into have nothing to do with chance or other people's opportunity but they're decisions that we've made in our life wisdom is a skill another way to look at the book of proverbs and i thought about this this week is to understand proverbs as guardrails last this past may a month or two months ago my wife and i took a trip to the adirondack mountains in new york never been there it's an amazing gorgeous place there between um, Lake Placid, which is where, you know, the miracle on ice happened, right, and the 1980 Olympics, um, Lake Placid, and about 12 miles away to a white-faced mountain where all the skiing happens, there's this windy, curvy road. And along this road, it follows this mountain river. It's an amazing place. But let me tell you something about this road. It's curvy, it's up and down, and it has guardrails. And it has guardrails for a reason. Uh, you get close to those guardrails and you look down the, the cliff there. And you look down the side in the ditch and you see that river flowing. Especially after we got a heavy rain one day. That river was high and flowing fast. You're thankful that you have those guardrails. Guardrails keep you on the straight and narrow. Although it's a curvy road. But they keep you on the road. Think of off the cliff is the danger zone and the road's the safe zone and we had guardrails guardrails keep us out of the danger zone they're never uh, they they are never in the danger zone right these guardrails you don't like you don't find a guardrail kind of halfway down the cliff that'd be silly you know that'd be like a net but you're still going to go off the cliff guardrails are a few feet this side and keep a distance, some space. They create this space to keep me from going off. Imagine driving on those roads without guardrails. Nothing to warn you. Nothing to stop you from the danger. And Proverbs has a lot of guardrails. Imagine with me for a moment, what if there were guardrails in life? Think about your relationships. You could say in your relationships there are safe zones and there are danger zones. There is 
a ditch that we can get off course and go down into, and there's the danger zone in our relationships. Some of us know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been, you've gone off the cliff in a relationship. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's in your dating relationship. Maybe it's in your morality or your business or your ethics or your reputation. In life, there are guardrails. There's things that, that we bump up against. There, there's certain behaviors that we just won't cross because we know if we cross that, we're getting into the danger zone of getting caught up and lost or crashing and burning. Proverbs has a lot of guardrails. For our sake, let's define guardrails as this. Guardrails are personal standards of behavior that become a matter of conscience. That's a guardrail. You establish a certain behavior, a personal standard of behavior that you know once you cross that line, once you get onto this side, that you're in now a danger area of life. And whatever part of life that is, the choice is yours to establish them. The truth is, the world's not going to give you a guardrail. If anything, the world's removing all the guardrails and saying anything goes. And they crash and burn all the time. But certain behavior, they're like, well, but it feels good. So, yeah, but then you crash and burn. And you come back, you kind of, you know, and then you do it again. The world's not going to set those guardrails for you. You have to. You have to establish this personal behavior that then becomes a matter of conscience what do i mean by that that means as you're going through life and you start to veer off to danger in a finances a relationship whatever you bump off of that guardrail something goes off in you a conscience a red light an alarm hey wait a minute i'm getting a little too close to the danger zone the goal is not to go over the edge and get stuck in the ditch, if your standard behavior is to wait for the crash, it's too late. The guardrail is there to warn you before the crash. And that's what I'm talking about today. Think about your greatest regret in life. You got it? Grab it. Stop looking at your wife or your husband. Okay, don't do that. Are you listening to me? That was a funny laugh. Some of you are looking next to the person next to you. Don't do that when I say your greatest regret. Think about your greatest regret in life. Financially, relationally, terms of health, maybe whatever it might be. Your greatest regret. It's a highly it's highly probable that your greatest regret in life could have been avoided if you had established a guardrail. Think about that with me for a moment. So Proverbs is full of, of guardrails. Wise sayings. Wise sayings. Wise teachings. A father who, has, who is beyond his, his ability and wisdom that God has given him, Solomon, these wise sayings to his student, his child, his Young, young son, he wants him to grow and hear these things. 
Guardrails are wise sayings that seek to keep us out of danger. It's all over Proverbs. Today, we're going to tackle the guardrails of friendship. It's kind of an interesting one. Um, and, and a topic that hopefully you'll be like, oh yeah, I get it. Because sometimes we don't think of friendships and relationships in terms of being wise. And as terms of what are the guardrails. So here's the deal with friendships, okay? We all have them. You may say, I, ha- I don't have any friends. Yeah, you have friends. You have acquaintances. You have neighbors. You have co-workers. Childhood friends. Your posse. Your gang. Your buds. The girls. What do you call them? You know, whatever you call your friends. I, the other day I was flipping channels and I saw that old movie Wild Hogs. You know, these four guys who are best friends and they get on these motorcycles to head out west. And, you know, they're going to do that that thing, and, you know, they were wild hogs. Maybe whatever you call your friends, we all have friends. Here's something else about friends. All of us have found ourselves in relationships with people where the people in our life are moving in the opposite direction as my life. They have a completely different set of values, a completely different set of morals, a completely whatever. Their life is moving in an opposite direction as mine, but yet we're friends. We like them. We hang out with them. We enjoy their company. Sometimes they get a little crazy and wild and they do things that I don't agree with, but we're friends. And we live with that tension... And the tension that I'm talking about today is what we're going to wrestle with. This tension of being friends with people who are going in opposite directions is me in my life. Many of us have found ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong things, regretting the decision later because we were with friends. We all have stories of people in our life that go in the opposite direction. Sometimes we succumb to that and sometimes we resist, but there's always this tension there. So as kids, if you're a typical American family, you know what it's like to have crazy parents. Fanatical parents. Nobody's laughing at my jokes today. I thought somebody would laugh about that. I thought, you know, I thought my kids would have laughed at that. You know, we we know what it's like to have crazy, fanatical parents. Get this, that when it came time for you to spend time with your friends, they got radical. I mean, just, where are you going to be? Who are you going to be with? Where are you going? What time are you going to get there? What time are you going to eat? What time are you going to leave? What time are you going to be home? Who all is going to be there? You know, my friends No, who's going to be there? I want their first, last, middle name, social security number, phone numbers, emails. Who, where are you going? Does anyone else live with this when you were a kid? Come on. Yeah. No, not today. You guys, you know, the young kids are like, yeah, that's my mom. And no, I mean... 
seriously, I grew up with parents who asked all these questions. They were crazy. They were radical. They were fanatical. They did everything they could, right, to keep you from certain people. Some of you know parents who actually switched you from a school you were in to another school because of somebody in that school they didn't want you to have any association with. Some of your parents were so crazy, they moved houses and neighborhoods. Some of your parents were so crazy, they even switched towns just to keep you away from certain people. Am I right or wrong here? You know know what I'm talking about. They wouldn't let you go play at Tommy's house or Jill's house. You would hear things like, yeah, you can go out and play, but you can't go into that house. Or you can't hang out at her house or go in his house. And, you know, you, you can't, uh, <laughs> you just can't go there. No sleepovers, right? And parents just got fanatical. And you're like, why? They're my friends. I love them. They love me. They accept me. This is awesome. I mean, I love Johnny's house. I mean, there are no rules. Mom and dad are never home. You're right. Dad's got all the channels from satellite, right? You know what I'm talking about, guys, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And the kids are like, why can't I stay there? It's awesome there. You start digging in, parents, and you start to realize why it's so awesome, right? No supervision at all. Some of us had parents that would love to have even arranged our marriages for us. You know, I used to think that was really, really crazy until I had three girls. And then I'm like, hey, let me take care of that for you, you know? Ain't happening, right? We thought our parents were ridiculous. We thought our parents were overprotective. We thought our parents were crazy. We thought they were fanatical. They were just trying to ruin our lives. They didn't, you know, they're trying to split me up with my friends. But now I'm a parent. And we're worse. You know why we're worse today, parents? We have electronic surveillance. It's an awesome thing. You know, and when, when my was a kid, dad had to show up surprisingly in town, right? Or, or happen to pop into the movie I was going to, you know? Or, or uh, call the house I said I was going to spend the, the night at. Now it's like all electronic surveillance. My wife's got this really cool app called Life360. I say it's cool. We think it's cool. But the kids, you know, they're on it because we make, if you want the phone, it's got to be on and turned on. And you know what it is? I just did this to Lauren last night because, you know, she was out with her boyfriend at his house. And uh, I was preparing and going over my message. And I thought, I'm going to look at this app because I haven't looked at it before. I opened up 360 and boom, there comes Lauren's little face on my, compu- on my phone. And it says she was not at Kyle's house. And I went, oh, I thought she was going to Kyle's house. And so I call her. Hey, honey, where you at? You know, she's like, uh, at his grandma and grandpa's at a cookout. Why? What's up? Right. And then I get this from my wife five minutes later. Why are you calling Lauren asking her where she's at? I said, I don't know. She, I, I was trying to test out this app and it says she was somewhere where I didn't think she was. Isn't technology awesome? I mean, 
you can track these kids now. I mean, I know, I mean, I could call in a laser-guided bomb within six inches of, their, of where, they're, where they're stationed at, you know? And I can follow, I remember one time on the app, Katie was coming home from a basketball, and I followed her on 20. As the, as the, as the basketball bus moved, she moved. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm always going to know where my kids are at all times. The truth is, we do the same thing now as parents. And we wonder, why are we so concerned about who our kids are hanging out with? I hated it when my parents checked up on me. So why do, I think, why do you think we do the same thing and freak out like our parents did. And here's the principle that I want you to get about friendships, because I know that this principle is true in life. Friends will always influence the direction and quality of your life. I don't have to try to convince you of that. I just gave you a little intro of how your parents were and now how you are, and you freak out about who your friends. You pray for this, right? I pray that my kids will get good friends. Because internally, just living life, we know this principle to be true. That friends will influence the direction and quality of my life and of your kids' lives. Something else about friendships that I want you to understand is this too. The things that make friendships great are the same things that make friendships dangerous. Say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Everyone has this incredible need to belong, to be accepted, to be loved. We are repelled by rejection, and we are attracted to people who accept us. I mean, it doesn't really matter. When the people who accept us, when people accept us and they bring us in and they say, yeah, you can belong to my group, we drop our guard as people. Because it no longer becomes about their behavior or what kind of person they are or what they do with their life or the direction of their life. We are just thrilled that they love us, that they accept us, that we can belong to the group. And here's a principle about friendship that you can can write down as well. Acceptance always leads to influence. When somebody accepts me, I'm going to follow them. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to engage with them. We are the most open in our relationships to influence with people who accept us. They might be bad people. I know, Dad. I know he broke into that store, and I know he stole that stuff, and I know he's in jail, and he's in juvie, and all that. But he's my friend. You see what I'm saying? We defend we make up for, we, we push aside their behavior. Why? Because they accept us. But he likes me, and he's my friend, and I need to be there for him. We are the most open to influence when people accept us. It might lead us to bad things. It might lead us down roads that we don't want to go. But if they accept us, we drop our guard and are influenced. Peer pressure is a powerful thing. And I'm not talking about teenagers and young people. It's a powerful thing for all of us. Acceptance 
is powerful. If you're like me, this is true as well. Your greatest regrets in life typically revolve around being with friends. <laughs> I won't get into the details of my younger days, um, but I can say a lot of the regrets in my life, the stupid things that I've done, the po- potentially life-altering things that I've done have always been in the company of friends. So here's how Solomon says it in Proverbs 13:20. He says this, "Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm." There's your guardrail. <laughs> There's the guardrail. The promise, the proverb is a promise and a warning. A promise and a warning. And that's what a guardrail is in our life. It's, a, it's an established line of behavior that becomes a conscious thing for us. That, that it's a promise that if we stay on this side, things will go okay. If we get on the other side, there's a warning. And his warning comes as a, that things will not go well. So here's the promise. The promise is this. You become wise by doing life with the wise. You become wise by doing life with the wise. In the, uh, the, the Bible, to walk with somebody literally means to do life with them. It means that you do life with them. You, you eat together. You hang out together. You recreate together. You call one another. You do life together. You share your deepest inner secrets with them. And let me tell you, don't go sharing your deepest inner secrets with a fool. Do life with the wise. Wisdom is contagious. It rubs off on you. Here's something the wise understand. The wise understand that all of life is connected. It's connected. What I do today can directly uh, uh, come through tomorrow with the consequences. It's this decision today is connected to tomorrow's outcomes. The wise understand this. They understand that my behavior, the way I act, the things I do, the things I choose to do and not do today, tomorrow can have great effect for the better or the worse. Those who just live for the day without understanding are not connected. They don't get it. They miss this principle. They're fools. And I'll explain a better definition here in a second of what a fool is in Proverbs. The second part of this verse is a warning. That was the promise. The warning is this. If you run with fools, it is only a matter of time before you suffer harm. This is where we get easily deceived. We tell ourselves, I'm not really like them. They're my friend, yeah, I hang out with them, but I don't, I'm not like them. I don't think like they do. I don't, I'm different. I'm not bad and wild. They're bad and wild, but they're my friend. I'm just hanging out. It'll be all right. Listen, don't miss this. The warning is not, understand this, the warning is not 
the companion of fools becomes a fool. That's not the warning. I had to look at this twice, and I had to go through this and, and, and parse it again and look at exactly what he's trying to say. He's not saying if you hang out with fools, you'll become a fool. That would be simple and easy. You know, that, we would understand that. He literally says this, that if you hang out with fools, the shrapnel from the exploded life of a fool will hit you. You may not be a fool. You may say in your mind and in your heart, oh, I'm not like them. I'm just hanging. I'm just with them. Here's the thing. What the proverb writer is saying. He's saying, look, those who are in proximity of a fool will suffer harm. This is about proximity. It's not about you becoming a fool or not being a fool or thinking I'm different, but I'm hanging with them. The warning is the shrapnel of my friend's life exploding. They they blow their life up. We all know what that's like, right? We've had friends who've blown their life up. Crisis. Some crazy decision, stupid thing they did. The shrapnel of my friend's life will injure me if I'm too close. A fool in Proverbs is someone who knows right and wrong, but does not care. It's someone who knows right and wrong, but does not care. A fool lives life as if though nothing were connected, that I could behave and act today and not have to suffer tomorrow. That's a fool. You You can say to a fool things like, can't you see where this is headed? Can't you see where this behavior is leading? And they'll say, I don't care. Haven't you seen what happens to other people who do this? It won't happen to me. I don't care. Don't you think that he or she will find out? I don't care. When you warn a fool, he or she does not say, What? Oh, I had no idea. Thanks for the warning. The Proverbs warning has nothing to do, has everything to do with proximity. It's not that you might become a fool. You may care. But I want you to hear today that the proximity in which you place yourself with certain people, do not think that you won't suffer harm. The Bible is true on this. When a fool eventually goes down and blows up their life, you too could get caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. So friends who aren't, care- who aren't careful with their lives, listen, and, and this is what I want, you know, think this through. Be wise about this. If you have someone in your life who doesn't care about their life, what in the world makes you think they're going to care about yours? If you have someone in your life who really just doesn't care, you know, (laughs) who won't take care of their own marriage, what in the world in your mind thinks that they're going to be there for you and yours? If you have a friend, a person in your life who's irresponsible with money, what makes you think they're going to be responsible with yours? Don't lend it to them. 
you have a friend who cheats, they only cheat and will only feel better about themselves if you cheat along with them. Friends can be dangerous. And danger requires quadrails. Now, that sounds strange, doesn't it? Friends, dangerous. I thought this was going to, you know, what about that show Friends? And, you know, friends give you warm fuzzies and feelings. And yes, they can. But listen, you need to establish a standard that informs your conscience with your friends. When you start to veer toward danger in your friendships, you need alarms, lights, you need loud, clanging, banging sounds like your car hitting up against a guardrail to turn around. You need this. And so I'm going to give you four things real quick, very practical, of the guardrails in your relationships, things that you need to listen to. These, this is your conscience alarm going off, okay? If you are in relationships, if you have friendships, listen, number one, if you have friendships that all of a sudden it dawns on you that your core friendship group, I mean your core, the main people you hang with, the main people you call friends, the people you spend the most time with, if they are moving in a completely opposite direction as you in your life, a warning needs to go off in your life. You're moving possibly in the wrong direction. Where people are headed, it's a good indication of where they'll also lead. And if your core friendship group, if the people you spend the most time with, if the people you hang with the most are headed in the wrong direction, don't pretend or think that they won't take you with them. That should be an alarm that goes off in you. The second alarm that should go off is this. If you ever catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you truly are in a relationship, that is a good conscious alarm that goes off that says, wait a minute, something's not right here. When someone tells you, you know, When you're around so-and-so, you act differently. I don't know that person. If your husband says, you know, when you hang out with that group of girls, I don't recognize you. You act a certain way that's strange to me. If your wife says that to you, fellas, you know, when you go and hang out, or you come back from hanging out with somebody, you're different. That's an indicator that you're being led in the wrong direction. That your friendships need to be reevaluated. That you need to think. That's an alarm going off. That's a guardrail that, hey, I'm getting too close to the danger zone. Number three, if you feel pressure to compromise. If you're in a relationship that's pushing on you, pressuring you, asking you to compromise something that is a value to you, a core value in your life, a moral, an ethic. If you're feeling pressured by a group of people or an individual, an alarm needs to go off in your life. Your conscience needs to tell you, hey, danger zone, stop, get back over, 
You're too close to the edge. If it's something that you've never been tempted with, but now it's a live and viable option for you, listen, true friends will value what you value. They'll never ask you to give up a core value. They'll never ask you to do something or, or say something that goes against who you are and what you value. And finally, if you ever get this hope in your heart and in your mind that the people you care about the most don't find out, I'd say you're pretty close, if not into the danger zone of life and your relationships. Where you've been, what you've done, and whom you've been with. If you ever get that feeling in your heart that I hope they don't find out, or you have to hide it, or you have to delete texts or emails or phone calls, you've you've probably busted through the guardrail and you're about to go over the edge. You're saying, okay, Tony, are you asking me to create distance? Are you asking me to give up my friends? Are you asking me, you know, to create this space between me and my friends? And I'd say yes. Because I care about you. And this truth, these principles, that your friends will influence the, 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 dire- the, the direction of your life, and the quality of your life. I care about you. I, I love you. I want the best for you in your life. And I understand in my life, in everyone else's life, and people that I counsel with, friendships have this incredible power in our lives. And I know that this is where it gets stressful. And you start to try to work out in your mind, okay, what's this going to look like? This person's been a friend since childhood, or this person's a neighbor, or, or these are guys that I've hung out with for years, and how am I going to create, how do I explain this to him? How do I explain this to them? How do I create this space and not upset them? And I'm just going to be honest with you, it's complicated. And after the service, you could probably come up and say, hey, I got this relationship and, you know, three of the four warning signs are going off in my life. And and uh, what should I do? I'm probably going to tell you, I don't know. Because it's that complicated. But I will tell you this. You need to create space. You need to distance yourself. And you'll say, why? They're my friend. I say, because the Bible says that a companion of fools will suffer harm. And I know what you're thinking. See, I try to think through this. You're thinking, wait a minute. We're Christians. We're God's people. That doesn't sound very loving. That doesn't sound compassionate. I thought we're supposed to be loving people and compassionate people and embrace everyone and and love everyone. And yeah, that's all true. And if you've been at Gateway very long, you know that we don't have a plan B for evangelism. Our evangelism program is friendship. 
You need to make friends with your neighbors and your coworkers and, and your family and, and anyone else that you might know. You make friends with them. We teach that. We preach that here. 85% of all people who come to Christ came through a friend. And everyone who's been discipled in Christ has been discipled by a friend. We believe in friendship. But here's the thing. Never confuse compassion. Never confuse compassion with wisdom. Compassion will never ask you to make unwise decisions of yourself. You know in your heart that this is true. You know deep down inside that we make excuses in the name of compassion so we can just not have to face the hard decision. You know. Remember that party you went to and you felt weird going to it? You knew what was going to happen, but your friends went and you wanted to be where your friends were? And then it happened. But they're my friends. I know it wasn't wise to go on that trip with them because I know how they are, but I love them. I care for these people, right? I say, they're my friends. I love them. I care for them. And, and even though our lives are going in different directions, their values are different than mine, I, I went because even though I knew what kind of a party or what kind of trip it was going to be. And yes, absolutely you should love them. Absolutely you should have compassion for them. But don't confuse compassion with wisdom. Compassion will never ask you to do something unwise. But God's will for you is the best way that you can love other people. Jesus gave this example over and over and over in the New Testament. He loved the sinner. He hung out with the sinner. He ate with the sinner. He drank with the sinner. He did all of these things. But he never became unwise in his relationships with them. His compassion didn't call him to change his character or his values. And yet he still won them. The best thing that you can do for your friends, the most compassionate thing for you to do is to stay in the safe zone in life. To not go over the side with them. To not break a, ha- uh, to not break a behavioral barrier so that you can just be with them. Because here's the deal. Why do I want to be in the safe zone even though they go over? Because when they do crash and when they do burn, and they blow their life up, they're going to need a healthy and a strong you to be there for them. They're going to need you to listen, to pray, to embrace, to cry. Creating that margin in your relationships, drawing back from a relationship might be the most compassionate thing that you can do for them. 
I remember several, many years ago, I was on a business trip in a large city. And after dinner, we were walking around the city and a couple of the guys came up on a strip bar. There's four of us. Two of the guys were like, hey, let's go in. We stood there and four of us and I looked up at this place and it was on the city block and guy standing out there taking money to get into it and two of them just took off. And then they came back and said, hey, Baker, are you coming? And I said, nah, I'm tired. I'm going to go back to the room. That's creating margin. I'm there. They know I'm their friend. But I didn't engage in something that was against my values and my core of who I am. And sometimes you have to do that in your friendships, in your relationships. Why? So that you can listen to them the next day in their hungover stupor. Oh, that was a bad decision. We shouldn't have done that. It's like, I know. What are you going to tell your wife? There was temptation to hang with them. There was temptation to say, you know, I think I'll just go in just to protect them. I'll keep my eyes closed. No. I kindly excused myself and I went back to my room. Do not confuse compassion with wisdom. And we're really good at misguided... (laughs) We're really good at leveraging misguided love and compassion so that we can stay in relationships that we have no business being in. We do it in the name of love. We're supposed to love, un- you know, unconditionally. Well, maybe that's good for God, but for us, there should probably be some condition. You can love them unconditionally, but you don't have to engage with them unconditionally. We want to stay in the relationship because we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to, we want to avoid confrontation, whatever it is. So I'm asking you this morning, as I've been talking, and I need to wrap up here. As I've been talking, who's come to your mind? I know you're going through your friend groups. I know you're going through, and you know, to, to be honest with you, some of you just need to unfriend some people from Facebook too. I know we call them friends, and you've never met them, right? But they're friends. You just need to let them go. Anybody in your mind coming to your mind's eye? Perhaps you wish you'd skip church today, right? It's too complicated, Pastor. It's too hard. I can't create that space. There's too much history, too many webs that have been woven. But here's the deal. We all need to face up to God's will for our life. There are times that we need to step back from people that we call friends and create distance. Not in an unkind, in a judgmental, in a condemning way, but just simply, no, thank you, I think I'll go home. No, you go ahead. I'll be here when you get back. There is this creation of this space that needs to happen. 
And the truth is, this is your moment to decide. This is your moment to come to grips with this truth of Proverbs 13.20 that says, the wise walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. This is your moment. It'll be here for a minute, and then it'll be gone. Then it will be over. And you'll leave, you'll get up, you'll go home, and nothing will change. This is the moment you face up to what you know is true in your heart. That God loves you. God loves your friends. And some friends, we just need to keep a certain distance. I've had a lot of relationships I regret in life, but I've never regretted the guardrails I've established. They can be confusing, they can be complicated, they can be hard to establish, and they can be hard to navigate. But God's Word is always true, and God's best is all He wants for you. Here's our bottom line today. Friends influence the direction and quality of my life. Who's leading in your relationships? Which direction are you going? Let's stand. I want to pray with you this morning. Our worship team is going to come and close us out here in a few minutes. I want to pray together just a prayer that I wrote for us in this time. What I want you to do is I'll pray, pause, you, you repeat after me, okay? Let's just all pray this together. Heavenly Father, I desire wisdom. I desire to do your will. Help me not confuse compassion with wisdom. I love my friends. And so do you. Your will for me is to be holy. Holiness is love and being different. I confess I need guardrails. I confess I need your Holy Spirit to counsel and guide to sound the alarm when I'm in risk of danger. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Be wise, would you? Have a seat for a minute.